darkness. I got to admit that uh, I haven't been a, a big fan of it my whole life. Even when I was a child, I was a bit afraid of the dark. I got stories to verify that, but I won't bore you with that. Just know that I was afraid. Sometimes darkness creates a, a certain level of discomfort. Maybe you're feeling that discomfort right now, being in darkness. The fact is, I don't like it. Now, you would really see how much I hate darkness if you were to go to a scary movie with me. It wouldn't be a pretty scene, I tell you that right now. You're in the movie, it's one of those suspense scenes, and all of a sudden you're like uh, at the edge of your seat. And you know the scene. The room becomes very, very dark. There's a chill. You can see the breath coming from the actor's mouth. There's that creak in the floor. And then all of a sudden, in the distance, there's like a... And you're about freaking out. <laughs> you're about to jump out of your seat. If you're with me, I am out of my seat because I don't like darkness. I don't like scary scenes. You know what I like? I like resolution. I like light. You'll see 
that there are many passages that talk about light. And what we see even in the book of John is that Jesus is the first light bearer. This is what it says. In John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, The light, 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 blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness could not put it out. Now, what was this light, light? Well, he's referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the light, light that cannot be put out. He came, he died on the cross, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross for sins of mankind, and then he rose again to prove that he was, uh, he was God. There are no other gods, so to speak, that have ever done that. He is the only one that's given proof, and that's why we worship Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, Him and Him alone. And He was the light. You say, well, Steve, of course, He's going to be the perfect light. I mean, he's divinity. He's, he's going to do that, but we're human. We can't be like that. Well, yes, you can, because Jesus said you can. Listen to what Jesus said to His disciples in Matthew 5.16. Jesus said this, he said to his Christ followers, he says, you, you, you're here to be the light. Bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. You see, as a believer in Christ, he has put his spirit within me. The day that I said, Lord Jesus, I want to surrender to you. I want to believe in you and you alone. And I'm going to dedicate my life to following after you. What he did at that moment is he put his light in us by putting his spirit within our hearts. There are some people here that that hasn't happened yet. But please know it's okay to be here. It's okay to listen and to investigate. And my prayer is that you would come and investigate Christ and would come to the conclusion on your own that you need that light in your life. No one's going to twist your arm. No one's going to make you feel uncomfortable. But what we are going to do is we're going to present the truth of the light of Jesus Christ so that you can make a decision on your own. But if you make that decision, he puts a spirit inside of you. And then he gives us his word. And this word is meant to be kind of a torch or a flashlight. It is our way. It's how we govern our life. And all of a sudden, we start changing. And there's something that radiates out of us that is different than the rest of the world. And that is called the light of Christ. And we then, all of a sudden, become individuals that are on a, on a hill, like a city, <coughs> shining out. That's what God desires of each of us. Philippians 2 says this. We are to be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Now notice, the writer of this passage isn't, all, isn't, isn't concerned about this world. He's not concerned about you know, believers living in this world. He's just saying it like it is. This is a twisted and wicked generation. But this is what we're to do. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. My friends, this is the word of life. This is what we hold on to. 1 Timothy 3 says the church is to be the pillar of truth, which means that we are holding out this in a dark world. My friends, 
on this day, our inaugural day of, of Mission View, what I want us to understand for those that would be committed to this church is that we are to be called, we are called to be a light that pierces the darkness. That's our calling. That's our mission. That is our mandate. And that's what Mission View is about. Today I want us to understand that mandate a little bit more clearly. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage in Jeremiah chapter 29. I'm going to take a look at an Old Testament example that would help us understand how we are to today be a light to our community. Now, if you have Bibles, you could turn to Jeremiah 29. If you have your Bible apps, you could turn there. If you don't have a Bible at all and don't own a Bible, just listen to what the Word of God has to say. Now, what I want to do is I want to start off by setting the context to Jeremiah 29. It is 6th century B.C. And God's chosen people, the people of Israel, had been living in darkness. Instead of repelling the darkness, they had embraced the darkness, and they had become dark in their behavior. And as a result of that, and after warning, after warning, after warning, God said, okay, Israel, I'm going to have to discipline you because you are living in darkness, and I have not called you to be children of darkness. I have called you to be children of light. And so what God did was what any good godly father does, he will discipline his children. Now, I don't know what discipline was like in your household, but in the Marshall household, it started with Stephen Kamir, and he would reach for the belt. Now, my dad wasn't abusive. He really wasn't. I didn't die. I was okay. In fact, I needed it. And he took his belt, it's just the way he did it. He took his belt off and he did it one belt loop at a time and it's like it rang in the air. <laughs> and then he would bend his belt in half and then he would take it and crack the belt. Now that might borderline on abuse, I don't know. <laughs> because I was about crying just before my dad would tell me, go ahead and grab your ankles. Now, I'm not telling you all the bad stuff I did, but believe me, I did bad stuff and I deserved it. And so I would get a few swats. My dad did that, not out of anger, but he did it because he loved me. He saw me going innocence in the way of darkness, and he wanted to correct me to go in the right direction. God does that for his people. Now, when we get older, our parents use different methodologies. They use methodologies that hurt worse than a belt against the butt, okay? They do things like terrible, terrible things like taking your cell phone away. <laughs> now that is punishment. If you want to make it tremendous punishment, almost borderline child abuse, take away their computer with their cell phone. Then if you really want to be bad, you take away the car as well. We do that because we're getting off track. And what God wanted for the people of Israel was to correct them from their darkness. And what he wanted them to do is to be directed towards what was right and what was true. 
And so what God did to the people of Israel, being that they were living in this darkness, is that he took away their homeland. He took away their homes. He took away their jobs. He took away their titles. He took away their wealth. He took away their place of worship. And he took away their special days and feasts and celebrations. God allowed a foreign uh, country called Babylon to come and take the people of Israel captive. And they no longer were able to be in their homeland. That is the context of Jeremiah chapter 29. Now the Babylonians, what you need to know, the place that they went, they gathered them up under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar traveled in three deportations of the people of Israel to the land that was 900 miles away. He herded them like cattle 900 miles to the place of Babylon. Now can you imagine what the families were going through? Every possession, every... Well, they didn't have pictures back then, but everything that was precious to them was left behind. And here they had to go as foreigners to another land in captivity. And this is where they found themselves. Please understand, the Babylonian Empire, even though there were some positive things, like they were very creative, they were very intellectual, there was things that they were advancing in, but they were a very evil and dark people. The capital city of Babylon was known, of the, was known for being the city of the gods. They had so many gods in the, in, the, in the Babylonian empire that they didn't know what to worship or when to worship. They were confused. Actually, the word Babylon, the root word means Babel, means confusion. These were people that lived in confusion, and because they didn't know what to follow or how to follow it, as a result of that, they ended up following all the false gods that led them to sexual immorality, to theft, to dishonesty, to greed, to all of these things. This is what the environment was like. And so Jeremiah, who was still, Jeremiah, who was still in Jerusalem, writes a letter to the people of Israel that were in Babylon. And as he writes this letter in Jeremiah 29, he's giving instructions. This is what he says in verse 1. He says, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So here we have Jeremiah's writing these people. Now, let me help you understand the, the confusion that was amongst the Gentiles, or amongst the Jews. They didn't know who to listen to. They were getting all kinds of voices. See, the people of Babylon were telling the Jews, come, live in our city. Live in our city, and we want you to lose your spiritual identity. Just come, you be a part of our culture, lose your spiritual identity. And then there was a false prophet called Hananiah. Hananiah was giving them a different message. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or your diviners who are among you deceive you. This is speaking against that prophet, false prophet Hananiah. 
Do not listen to the dreams they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So what does God want? God wants more than anything for the people of Israel to seek the welfare of the city. So what does that mean? The word welfare is the Hebrew word shalom. This Hebrew word for shalom means peace and prosperity. Peace, peace and plenty. In other words, God was calling them to be a blessing of peace and prosperity to that city. This would come by them being a part of the marketplace and reestablishing their trade in that city. This would come by them growing in their leadership within that culture. This would come by them praying regularly for the officials from the top down to the common person. This would come by them seeking this out. This must have stunned the Jewish people. For the Jewish people to hear this, like, God, you really want me to do this? But here God was calling them to turn the corner to no longer be dark as they had been, but he wanted them to be lights within a community. That's exactly what he desired. He wanted them to seek the prosperity of the city. And my friends, I believe God wants us to seek the prosperity of the city. That's why he wants us to have Christian teachers. That's why he wants us to have Christian politicians, if there is such a thing. Uh, I believe there is. He wants us to be in every facet, from counselors to first responders. He wants in every facet of society that we would be salt and light in those places so that we would seek their prosperity and it would result in our prosperity. So what does this teach us about the church today? What does it teach us about us being a presence where we pierce the darkness with the light of Christ? Well, I think it first of all teaches us to live in balance. It teaches us to live in balance. Because I don't believe that we need to be these Christians that are in kind of that holy huddle. And I don't believe that we should be these Christians that have lost their identity because you can't tell that they're believers. I believe what God is asking for us as the church today is that we would live out the beauty of God in our life, in our everyday life in the facet and the place that God has you in this life. See, the problem that the Jewish people, when hearing this, had is that they were either fire and ice. They were either ice cold and living in darkness, or they were just like uh, living separate. But they really didn't understand how to live a presence in a community. You know what? I think we have that problem too. I think as Christians, we have a terrible problem in really understanding how do we live in balance. I've been reading a book uh, by Dick Staubs. It's called Too Christian, Too Pagan. And this is what he says. He says, most of us want to make a difference in our circle of influence. Yet we feel woefully inadequate to take Jesus into our world. There are two equal and opposite reasons for this. In my observations, most Christians are either too Christian or too pagan. The Christians who are too Christians are comfortable within the Christian subculture, but are ill at ease when it comes to the world. 
On the other hand, Christians who are too pagan are at ease with the world but fail to integrate their faith into everyday life. He goes on and says, The Christian who is too Christian doesn't love the world enough to enter fully into it, and the Christian who's too pagan doesn't love Jesus enough to make a difference while there. And yet, as disciples, we are supposed to live out our calling in the world because Jesus commanded us to go into the world as a loving and transforming presence. So, my friends, how is it that we can be a light that pierces the darkness? How can we be a presence? This morning, in the last 10 minutes, I would like to share the mission of what Mission View will be about. But before I do, I just want to pause. I want to pause and pray. And I want to, in my prayer, I'm going to be asking for forgiveness for times that we don't represent him and that we've just been too much a part of the culture, that we don't show Jesus or how we've separated ourselves. And I'm going to ask that God would prepare our hearts to do the things that are in his word. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would help us. Would you help us understand the mission that you have for us? Help us to be a people that want to do what you want us to do. Lord, forgive us for people that, that sometimes just blend in with society where we have not made a difference because we're just like everybody else. But also forgive us for times where, Lord, where we have just clung to one Bible study after another Bible study, and, and as we evaluate our life, we realize that we just have no friends that don't know Jesus. Lord, forgive us for being that kind of people and help us to be a people of balance that we know how to love your word and to love Jesus, but also to love the world as you love the world. Help us to be that. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. In the vision, I want to give you three pictures, three pictures that represent what we are. The first picture is the picture of the cross. My friends, it all starts at the cross. This is where into an intimate relationship with the living God happens. This is where an individual, when they meet Jesus, they go from a place of darkness to now light. This is where transformation takes place. A person goes from selfishness to selflessness. A person goes from idol worship to worshiping the true living God. It's the person that goes from where just hopelessness and a Christlessness in eternity to hope and a Christ-filled eternity. My friends, this is where we want to bring people at the foot of the cross that they can evaluate for themselves whether they need Jesus Christ. And when they come to this place and they surrender their life to Him, that's when Deuteronomy 6.5 can happen, that they can learn to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. And our prayer at Mission View is this. Our prayer is that each Christ follower at Mission View would passionately, passionately pursue Jesus Christ, a relationship with Him. We want every person to be able to grow in, on their own, that they would learn how to study this Bible for themselves, that they would be able to do that. We want that to happen because when that happens, it will result in God igniting a fire within their heart to reach out. It's that light that's working inside of us. 
Our prayer at Mission View is that each Christ follower at Mission View, because of their desperate love for Jesus Christ, would desire to be a part of making disciples. You see, Jesus told his disciples, his Christ followers, to make disciples, to make other Christ followers. In other words, lovingly, gently lead them to the foot of the cross. And our prayer is that you wouldn't say, oh, that's the pastor's job, or that's the leader's job. We want you to say, that's our job. That's our job. And we're going to work at that together. And as a result of that, our prayer is that each person, each Christ follower at Mission View, that you would eventually be mature enough that you could disciple somebody that's seeking Christ, that doesn't know him yet, or somebody that's a brand new believer. In our first series that we're going to be doing called The Pursuit, we're going to train you to be able to do that. And our goal is that by the end, we will have a discipleship manual for you or guideline so that you can take and invest into somebody that's either a seeker or a new believer. Our prayer is that when this happens, that there would be a contagious fire that takes place in our community, that people would come to know faith, come to faith in Christ, and that the gospel influence would spread to other communities, and as a result, there would be a need for us to plant other churches. Our prayer is that at Mission View, that individuals will be so ignited that they and see the mission that they would be willing to step out, because it's not easy stepping out from what you know to see something new planted in other communities. My friends, all of this happens at the cross. Here's the second picture. It's a picture of people. It's a picture of community. And here's what we want. We believe that when we understand community, that's where we're going to start experiencing love. It's here that we start to understand each other, that we break bread with one another, we fellowship with one another, we encourage one with one another. And yes, we endure one another at times. Because there's going to be people that you don't like too well and we got to endure. But this is where we start to realize John 3, 13, what Brian preached on two weeks ago, that by this they will know that you are my disciples, that if you have love for one another. Our prayer as a result of this community, in light of this community, is that each Christ follower at Mission View would be connected to authentic biblical community. Connected is the key word. Because we got to be connected. Because what I find in the church today is that there are so many people that just kind of slip in and they slip out and they're not connected to the lifeblood of the body of Christ. They're kind of like this appendage that's over here that's suffering. You got a hand here, you got a foot there. And they're just off to the side, apart from the body of Christ. And they're not really integrated within the body. My friends, God didn't design us that way. Look at the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity is created with community. He designed us so that we would need each other. As a result of that, our prayer is that each Christ follower at Mission View would be a part of a sermon-based community group where we would learn to care for each other, that we would be trained as a result of what's preached on Sunday, that we would take the notes and that we'd go back and we would learn deeper. We're going to be giving out one of these. This is kind of your token gift uh, for being a part of the launch. 
But we're doing this because we want you to have a journal by which you can take notes because we value the training that's going to be taking place. That's our gift to you. When you leave here, you can get one. But we want that to happen. We want care to happen. We want accountability for outreach to take place. Our goal is that 80% of the body would be a part of a community group. We have a, Monday, a Sunday through Thursday. There's any day pretty much that you want to be a part of one. They start this week. We hope that you'll sign up today. Our prayer is that each Christ follower, in light of that community, would learn how to steward their life, manage their life. Because, my friends, our light gets diminished if we are not living with integrity. And we need to know how to manage our time, how to manage our relationships, and know, know how to manage our finances, know how to manage our bodies. We need that, and we need the accountability in small groups. Our prayer at Mission View is that each Christ follower here would understand their spiritual gift. And I believe in community, we start to affirm the giftedness of each other. That's what we desire to see happen. My friends, all of these things happen in light of community. And here's the final picture. The final picture is that of a toolbox. Now, this toolbox is filled with tools. I believe this is a good picture because it shows us who we are. We are tools. And God is the master designer that uses the tools for his glory. When there's something being built, you don't praise the tools for what, what was built. You praise the designer for what was built. And God is building something and he's using instruments, people, to use as his tools for designing something called the body of Christ. And this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 28. Notice what he says. We sometimes pass over this. He says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Now, why does Jesus say that? Because he's the master designer. He's the creator. He's the builder. But then he goes on and tells what he wants of his tools. He wants his tools to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. In light of us being tools for God, this is what we. This is our prayer. This is our desire. Our prayer is that each Christ follower at Mission View would utilize. Now listen to this. Utilize creative and loving avenues for outreach access into our community that causes people to say, "Man, that's different." Some of us, you came in here and you looked at the lights and you're saying, "Well, I've never seen that in a church." That's due to the creativeness of this man. God has given a creativity in each of these people here. I want to see that creative creativity enhanced because that's good. God is going to use a team of people, and he's going to use the abilities that you have wherever you are to be an influence in your world. Our prayer is that Christ would use every Christ follower and mission view also to share their grace story. When you come to the foot of cross, all of a sudden you have a story. You have a story to share that matters. You have a story that can help someone else understand how they are in darkness and they can come to light. You're kind of like a flashlight for them. You're showing them how to get there. Our prayer is that every single person would understand their story and be able to share that story. Our prayer is that each Christ follower at Mission View would utilize their giftedness 
to serve those that don't know Christ. In our community groups each semester, we're going to have one service project each semester. We're doing that so that it would be kind of like a match that would light a fire and that there would be spontaneous fires that would come as a result of that where people would start on their own helping out widows, on their own helping out orphans, on their own helping out those that don't know Christ. That's what we want to see, that spont spontaneity. Our prayer is that each Christ follower at Mission View is giving of their resources so that they can advance the cause of Christ in missions. My friends, I want you to know you're not going to hear a lot of message. You're not going to hear anybody pounding this pulpit saying, give more money, give more money. But here's what we are going to do. We're going to teach on money. We're going to teach what God has to say about that. And what we are going to do is we're going to appeal to you with a mission. We want you to see that when you sacrificially give, that your funds are going to do something that matters. It's kind of like all the light collected in, and we're going to use those resources to have an impact locally and abroad. We want to help orphans. We want to help widows. We want to help plant churches in other parts of the world. And when you give, our promise is that we are going to be good stewards of that and not be wasteful. Our prayer, and this is our desire, is that right from the get-go that we would give 20% of all of our funds to doing the work of ministry. And our long-term goal is that 40% of everything we have would go to advance the cause of Christ. Does that sound good to you? We believe that all these ha things happen as a result of us being his instruments. The cross, community, influence. That's what God wants. In closing, we gathered from our passage today that we are to be light in a dark city where we live. We are to seek the welfare and the prosperity of the city. This means that we must serve those who need help and protection. We must love those who are lonely. We must bring God's love and peace and justice to those that are living in this broken world. We are to hold out Christ as the only and ultimate satisfaction for mankind. And here's my question for you. Is this your heart? Will you join in this mission? Some of you are part of another church. Go home and be a part of that church and carry out what you heard today in that church. But if you have no church, we invite you. Stop going from place to place. Stop not going at all. And find a place here, a family, a community where you will matter. Lock arms, join us hand in hand so that we can be a light that pierces the darkness.